Proverbs 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. And we have the name of Jesus that we can call upon this morning. And I pray that it would be your fortified tower. And that we would not walk, we would not get lost in it, we would run to it and experience the salvation that comes in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we do um, pray in the name of Jesus. And we run to that name as a fortified tower. God, that for all of us that have gathered here today, whatever circumstances that need to be changed, that they would be. Uh, Whatever burdens that need to be lifted, God, that we would feel the weight of your saving work. Um, Father, to truly come in and meet us where we are and change those circumstances in a way that brings rest, renewal, and restoration. God, we pray for opportunities. We pray for um, opportunities to make known the mystery of this gospel. We pray for opportunities to, to experience the blessings of your grace and your truth and your mercy wherever you would lead us, God, that we would also be able to meet each and every day with a spirit of joy because of what can be accomplished in Jesus' name. God, that we would have a certain courage because we know that in the name of Christ there is a fortified tower that we can run to and that that would give us a sense of courage, that would give us a sense of boldness, that would give us a sense of fearlessness, God, as we seek to live boldly for you. And what an incredible privilege it is, God, that we can come and gather as your people, as your children, in sacred places like this one. God, that we can offer up songs and we can offer up prayers and we can hear reports of how you prompt us to go and to serve and we can gather together and be encouraged once again by the living and active word that is in your scripture. And we pray, God, that all these things that we do together today would be met by an overwhelming sense of your spirit and your presence. God, that we would feel you in our midst today and we would once again be able to worship you in spirit and truth. God, that you would be exalted above all else and that we would truly be able to make much of you in this time together today, and that it would change us, restore us, and lead us in according to your will. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church family. How is everyone? Good, good. That was better. You had a whole week of staying at home, practically, and resting and sleeping, so you should be energized after the incredible incredible, uh, ice capades that we had this past week. It was pretty awesome. Uh, We're gonna get right to it. Uh, We're gonna continue our series on the greater work. You heard Warren reference it earlier. This is our series on prayer. And uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of a recap of where we've been and also uh, a preview of where we're headed, this is all designed to kind of connect to our theme for 2023, which is to be courageous. And the natural progression that we unpacked when we launched this theme at the beginning of the year was that if you think about the last few years, we've wanted to focus our eyes on Jesus. And as we do that, it changes us. It restores us. We we find renewal. And once we are renewed and changed and restored, uh, it should create a fruit of courage, right? We should live courageously in this world and the people around us, or with people around us. And so uh, we wanted to explore how do we live out this sense of courage through the gospel, And we intend to focus on a lot of different subjects throughout the year. We're going to continue to work through Romans before too long. Uh, But really where we ended up landing to begin was, well, that all starts with prayer. Uh, If we really want to live courageously, it's going to be uh, anchored in our prayer lives. And so that's what we have referred to as the greater work. Borrowing from Oswald Chambers' quote that prayer does not equip us for the greater work, it is the greater work. 
And so that's what we've been uh, seeking to do here at the beginning of the year. And we started this conversation a couple of weeks ago, really just by identifying the importance of prayer in general. And we talked about how the Lord is near to all those who call on him, all who call on him in truth. And that prayer really is, in an essence, this belief that you have the opportunity to be in the presence of the sacred and the holy, right? It's a restoration of this relationship that sin has created distance, but prayer allows us to be brought near to our Father, which is what we were designed to experience. And so just the very act of being near to God is part of what makes it so important, right? Because it's, it's about living into what we were designed and created to do. Um, and so we established the importance of it a couple of weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about all the different practices of prayer. We, we took a, a pretty broad survey through history of all the different ways that people have sought to pray throughout the course of church history. And we highlighted a few of those. And a couple of the takeaways from last week was that you see uh, in human nature certain practices that help us respond to prayer. We talked about the value of having kind of this, this merging of, yes, spontaneous prayers, praying freely and spontaneously by the Spirit, but also infusing certain scripted prayers uh, that help you stay focused, focused on God's character, focused on what is true, and, and kind of merging those two things, and especially when those scripted prayers are praying through Scripture, uh, which is a really important aspect to it. And how we have seen throughout church history, whether it was the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, and the people of Israel praying, uh, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, or the Psalms, uh, which were the prayers of David. Uh, one of the reasons the Psalms were so anchored in church history in terms of being a way in which people prayed was because they weren't just the prayers of David, they were the prayers of Jesus. Right? Jesus prayed through the Psalms, and the church has continually prayed through the Psalms, demonstrating this commitment to praying through Scripture, the Lord's Prayer. Right, so scripted prayers, especially those anchored in scripture. Also, we talked about having a rhythm in your life towards praying, whether that's morning and evening, three times a day, five times a day, eight times a day, whatever it is, but that rhythm is necessary for healthy relationship. And so the absence of a rhythm is going to create a, a dysfunction in that relationship, but when you really focus on one and cultivate a rhythm, it's gonna create a healthy relationship. And then we also talked about repetition last week. N not, not, um, to the extent that repetition becomes dull, it becomes calloused, you become disengaged, but a healthy repetition where these truths get embedded in your heart, right? And so we looked at all these practices last week. Today, we're going to talk about the types of prayer uh, and all the different things that are mentioned in Scripture in terms of how you can pray and different types of prayer. And, and the idea here is that by looking at the importance and then looking at the practices and, and the types of prayer, we, we begin to get a greater understanding of how those things can shape our own prayer habits, which is what we'll talk about next week. And not just our habits individually, but our habits corporately as a church family and how we pray together. And then we'll conclude our series on the greater work with, with kind of a special and unique prayer service as we head into the Lenten season. So a lot of great things on the horizon. Today we'll talk a lot about the different types of prayer. Now, uh, a couple of things that I would say to start this conversation today is that one of the reasons I feel like these subjects are helpful, especially as we kind of have our mind towards the theme of trying to live courageously, is because it's not uncommon uh, for people to kind of question, how do you pray? Um, I think one of the barriers that folks often have is, is maybe it's just so foreign, it's unfamiliar, or it was always done for them, or whatever your, your upbringing was, that it seems a little distant. And so as a result, you go, I don't really know what I should pray for, or how this should work. And so just by taking some time to look at the practices throughout history, talking uh, specifically through the scripture, what different types of prayers you see, 
uh, represented in God's word gives us a greater answer to say, okay, this is, this is how I can grow in this. This is how I can pray. And so the question that we really try to seek to answer today is by, by uh, really asking ourselves, what does this look like? What are the different types of ways that I can pray as, as evidenced in Scripture? Now, uh, if you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, uh, you, can, you can get ready here. I can tell you, as you turn to Ephesians 6, if you want to go ahead and turn to Ephesians 6, uh, this was a very different uh, process this week in getting ready for this message as opposed to last week. Last week, I really wrestled and struggled with figuring out what verse do we teach from? Like, where do I anchor us? Because when you think about ancient prayer practices, I don't know that there is just a, a verse that just grabs your attention and goes, well, here's the history of prayer. Um, and so it took me a while before I settled on Genesis 4 last week and was like, okay, we'll just go with the first one. Can compare that to this week when you say, well, what Bible verses are out there that talk about different types of prayer? There's like dozens upon dozens of passages that you could draw from for today's message. Today it was harder because I had to narrow it down. I was like, okay, where are we going to focus it? The reality is, is that Ephesians 6 is going to be a launching point. It's going to be kind of a, a home base for us today, but we are going to reference a lot of different passages. I didn't worry about trying to get them up on the screen. So if you want to uh, have a pen ready so you can just take note and go back and, and look through these later, you can. Uh, if you want to try to do Bible drill and just be like, I'm ready to go, let's do it. I mean, then you can do that as well. But we'll hit on a lot of different passages, but Ephesians 6 is gonna kind of be our home base and our launching off point. Uh, where we're gonna be is Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And this is the conclusion of Paul's discussion on the armor of God. Now, again, one of the things that I wanna establish here is because I, I really think it's incredibly valuable to teach according to the context of Scripture. And so doing topical sermons sometimes rubs against that tendency where I'm like, oh, I really just wanna dive into the text. Um, and so we're gonna kind of venture out, but just so you know, we have taught through the armor of God before. You can go online. We taught through this in September of 2020. If you wanna go back and kind of re-familiarize yourself with that, that section of scripture and even how 18 through 20 relates to the greater context, that is available to you, uh, but we will use it mostly as an opportunity just to look at the focus on prayer this morning. And so... Paul is finished discussing, discussing uh, the armor of God, and in verse 18 and 20, this is how he brings this section to a close. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Okay, uh, essentially what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at verse 18. Uh, there, there are several things I want us to extract from verse 18, and then when we wrap up and we conclude, uh, there's one theme from verses 19 and 20 that we'll use to, to wrap up our time. But when you think about where Paul is in this discussion, the whole uh, premise for the armor of God was that Paul was saying, uh, stand firm, right? Guard against the the devil and his schemes, the principalities of the air, all those different things. This is how you stand firm. And then he goes into this elaborate description of all the things that you are to put on and to equip yourself in the armor of God. And then what I love about verse 18 is that as soon as you are fully armed, what is the first act of the equipped and armed Christian but to pray? I love that. I love what that says to us about the importance of prayer. I love what it says to us about how is it that we are to stand firm in this world. I mean, we all recognize that this world is filled with challenges, filled with struggles, 
right? The forces of darkness and principalities of the air and all the things that we have to resist and combat, the first thing that you do as you equip yourself is pray. That is the act of the armed Christian, so to speak. And I love the way that Paul calls that to attention. And so uh, what we'll do is we'll look at verse 18 here, and there are at least five points that I think we can see uh, in verse 18 about the different types of prayer. Now, really, how I want to do this is, is kind of look at these points because some of the points that we'll make, in fact, four out of the five, really, are, are points that you could say are attributed to any prayer regardless of the type, right? These are just things that you should have in mind anytime you pray. Uh, but then right there in the middle, we'll have a chance to elaborate on Paul's reference to all different kinds of prayers and requests. But the first thing that I want us to see is that regardless of the type of prayer that you may pray, regardless of the practice and all those different things, the first thing Paul says is pray in the Spirit. Uh, that's, that is fundamental to our prayer life, is that when we pray, we want to pray in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Again, uh, one of the, the kind of conceptions that you have to guard against, that's we talked about last week, is that sometimes praying in the Spirit is, is kind of put in this category that, it, that it's the spontaneous spirit-led, unscripted prayer. And there's a lot of truth to that, right? That is part of it, but it can still be spirit-led if it's scripted, if it's, if it's scripture, if there's liturgy to it, it can still be spirit-led. It's not really just about this idea of freedom and spontaneity. What we want to keep in mind with why praying in the spirit is so important, a couple of passages that I would call back to your attention. Uh, we talked about Romans 8 this past semester. And Romans 8 speaks to why this is so important. In fact, uh, in verses 26 through 27, Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So part of what we see is that with the, the work of the Spirit is to actually intercede for us when we don't even know what to say. We don't even know how to pray. We don't know what type of prayer. We don't know what kind of practice. We don't know. The Spirit of God will intercede for us, search our hearts, and lead us to the will of God. Like, because it knows both. It knows how to search our hearts. It knows how to discern the will of God. And so praying in the Spirit is recognizing the role of the Spirit in your life and, and, and understanding that that's not just how it works in prayer, but really the greater teaching of what the Spirit of God is designed to do. If you go back and look at the Gospels, John 14 and 16, uh, you have Jesus in this, this uh, kind of elaborate discussion with his followers and his disciples explaining the advocate that's going to come after him and, and what the Holy Spirit's going to do. And one of the things that, that Jesus references, if I can just paraphrase, is that the Spirit of God leads you to truth. Right, like it's going to open your eyes and open your mind and your heart and your soul to who Jesus is, how God saves. Open your heart and your mind to what is true and how important it is for us to, to understand truth in today's world. And that's what the Spirit is there to do, is to lead us to a greater understanding of truth. You think about how Paul talks about the Spirit earlier in this very letter <clears throat> to the church in Ephesus. Right? He says, the same Spirit that is at work in you is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Right? The Spirit of God is about power. Recognizing that when you pray, you are praying in the same power of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Do you believe that? And this is not futile. It's not pointless. 
The prayer of our church has been that we would pray for the power of God to be unleashed in our lives, our church, our community, our world, so that every tongue, tribe, and nation can come to know and proclaim the saving work of Jesus Christ. We are desiring the power of God. So when you pray in the Spirit, it's about understanding that the Spirit intercedes for you. That one of the things we talked about when we referenced this back in the last semester was one of the first things you could pray is, Lord, show me how to pray. Let the Spirit of God guide me into truth. Let the Spirit of God guide me into an understanding of the power that is accessible through the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of God lead me into accordance of your will. We must pray in the Spirit. Which, if you think about what we talked about last week, is why praying through Scripture is so important. Is there a greater revelation of God's will than the Holy Word? Is there a greater revelation of God's power, of his truth, than the Scripture? So praying in the Spirit, regardless of what type, means uh, submitting ourselves to understanding his will, his truth, his power. All right, and so Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Now, as he continues, he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And here is the first reference to kind of the theme to verse 18 in particular, where we see this very comprehensive language that Paul is utilizing, where he repeatedly uses words like all or always. And here he's referencing occasions, which is the Greek word uh, kairos, Right? Now, there's another way that the Greeks would describe time <clears throat> using the term, excuse me, <clears throat> chronos, which is where we get our word chronological. And, and chronos is more linear, right? It's kind of like this chronological delineation of time, which would give you the idea of kind of this continuation down a timeline of praying, praying without ceasing. Uh, that's not exactly what's being referenced here in Ephesians 6. With kairos, uh, kairos is described as something that's more moment or seasonal or occasional, which is why it's translated on all occasions. Uh, but the, the reference is going to have kind of the similar effect of saying pray without ceasing because he says pray on all occasions. Every moment, every season, every occurrence, every situation, every set of circumstances, pray. And so the takeaway for you and me is to recognize that there is not a season of your life there is not a circumstance or an occasion in your life that is unworthy of prayer. You, you recognize that? Like there is nothing that you encounter that isn't worthy of your prayers. You need that parking spot? Pray for it. And when you want your football team to win? Pray for it. Now, God may not answer the way that you want him to, but you can pray. But, but listen, on a more serious note, like, and, and I mean that, like it carries that sense of being constant conversation with God. Absolutely talk to him about those things. But obviously, when we think about it from a, 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 a more realistic uh, discerning of what God wants in our lives and how we respond to this world, there's nothing you can encounter, no season, no circumstance that is unworthy of your prayers. Right? Like you, you're facing something at work, take it to the Lord in prayer. You got a test and a quiz at school, you're worried about grades, like, like pray through that. You've got struggles at home with your family. You're worried about your children. Pray through it. You see things on the news. You get anxiety about world events, spy balloons and wars and things like that. Pray about it. You see what people are going through in Ukraine? Pray for them. You hear about what happened to a young man like Tyree Nichols? Pray for him. Pray, pray for the police department. Pray for our country. Right? In, in moments of joy. You get word that birth of a new baby. You get 
word of somebody getting a new job opportunity or somebody moves into a new home. Come to the Lord with prayers of thanksgiving and praise. There is nothing that you can encounter that is unworthy of our prayers. All occasions, pray. And so maybe a a worthwhile question for us to ask ourselves this morning is what season are you in right now? Like what, what occasion would you describe as the one that you're facing? And how much have you prayed about it? How much have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? But recognize that regardless of what you face and regardless of the season, you can take it to the Lord in prayer. So pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, this is where we're gonna camp out for just a little bit and talk about the different types of prayer. Now, uh, a couple of things as we go into this part of the message that I'll offer as a disclaimer there's really not like this consensus across scholars that would say, we can definitively tell you there are five types of prayer and here are all the specific five categories that all of us agree on. That's not how this works. If you, if you research types of prayers, some people are gonna say, well, there's eight and they're gonna categorize them this way. Some will say there's five and categorize them a different way. There's a lot of different ways that you can talk about the types of praying. And so there's some freedom in that. And that's part of why I would say Uh, It's worth hearing a little bit, jotting down some of these verses that I'm going to reference and go back and kind of study them yourself, search through the scripture and and see what you see, right? And kind of observe what what you find in the scriptures as references to different ways that we can pray. Uh, For our conversation today, I was reading several articles on it and I came across one article that was written by a man by the name of Joe Carter, who is an author and also an associate pastor at McLean Bible Church in Virginia, and I appreciated his kind of holistic take on it. I'm, I'm not using exactly what he said. I've added a few other elements personally, but, but one of the reasons his article grabbed my attention that I also thought was worthwhile to start this conversation is that he included not just types of prayers, but posture. Um, and, and I mean that from a physical standpoint, like the actual different types of physical postures that you see referenced in the Bible when people pray. And uh, I felt like this was a good place for us to start when we consider our conversation about different types of prayers because I do believe posture matters and that posture is important. But I wanna explain to you why I say that. Um, I do not believe that posture influences the effectiveness of prayer, right? So it's not like um, if, if you're praying in a sanctuary with your eyes closed, you know, kneeling at the altar, that that is somehow more effective than praying while you're washing the dishes, right? Like, I truly believe both postures are effective. The Lord hears you, right? That what's effective is the spirit of God, the name of Jesus, all these things we've already talked about. However, I do believe posture matters in terms of engagement, right? Like it's gonna help you when, when the physical lines up with the spiritual and helps us to engage more holistically and in physical and spiritual realms, right? For example, when, when uh, we pray before our meals at night, uh, we'll start praying before dinner, and I can't tell you that on several occasions, either Jennifer or myself will peek and we'll check on the kids, right? And, and what are the kids doing while we're praying? They're like grabbing rolls and they're buttering it and they're grabbing forks and they're messing with each other. And we're like, hey, close your eyes, bow your heads and pray. You know what I mean? Because they're distracted. And, and so just by changing their posture, they engage differently. We, we all recognize this, and so posture uh, does matter. And so let me just give you a quick overview of some of the different postures that we could consider 
to incorporate into our prayer lives. And as we further this conversation related to the types of prayers, you can begin to explore how this might work in your own life. Uh, just very quickly, one posture that we find is sitting. For example, in 2 Samuel seven eighteen, David sits before the Lord as he begins to pray. You see standing reference in the scripture. I should also tell you, there are many other additional Bible verses to support a lot of all of these. Like, I'm not giving you all the Bible verses, just a, a handful of them. Standing is referenced. Uh, Mark 11:25. Jesus is talking about praying. He says, when you stand, praying. And so we know that was a posture with which people took when they prayed. Kneeling. Uh, obviously, that's one of my favorites. I reference that quite a bit. And we see that in Scripture over and over again. Uh, a couple of examples. Second Chronicles 6, 13, Solomon is praying to dedicate the temple and he assumes a posture of kneeling. Daniel 6, 10, when Daniel goes to his private place to pray, um, he kneels before the Lord. Uh, Luke 22 has a different take on Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane compared to Matthew and Mark, which I'll get to here in a second. But in Luke's gospel, Jesus falls to his knees in the garden when he prays, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Acts 760, uh, Stephen, as, as he is suffering from being stoned and begins to pray his final prayers, he falls to his knees and prays. So you, you see numerous references to people kneeling before the Father in a spirit of prayer. Uh, face to the ground would be the next one. And uh, that's where you see a slightly different connotation or description from Matthew and Mark's gospel for Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Luke says Jesus kneels. Matthew and Mark say that he falls with his face to the ground when he prays, Lord, take this cup from me. Genesis 17, three, Abraham, Abram falls face down when receiving the covenant from the Lord. And there's several other examples along those lines. Hands lifted up is the, is the last one we'll cover for today. Uh, hands lifted up, 1 Timothy 2.8, Paul urges Timothy that men everywhere should pray lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Uh, you can also see Solomon similarly in 1 King 8, again praying to the dedication of the temple that not only does he kneel, but he lifts up his hands as he prays. And so you've got at least these five, and, and a lot of times in, in the scriptures you see a, a, a combination of them. One of my favorite passages that kind of gives you a representation of how several of these postures are utilized, Nehemiah 8, 6. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so the point is that there are so many different postures, physical postures that we should consider to incorporate into our prayer life, right? And, and that the posture matters. So have that kind of in the back of your mind as we start a conversation on the different types of prayer and in ways in which maybe some of these postures might more naturally fit with some of these types. And the next time you maybe find yourself in this particular occasion, you incorporate all of it to more fully engage in spirit and mind and body. But let's talk about all kinds of prayers and requests. So again, there's, there's not a definitive consensus among scholarship that says, oh, it, we know it's exactly the number seven or eight. Um, I'm gonna give you 10. Okay, we'll be, we're gonna be done on time, don't worry. Um, but we're gonna quickly walk through these because again, I don't have the chance to go into depth with every single one of them, but I want us walking away with a holistic and comprehensive picture, okay? So I'm gonna go quickly. Again, Bible drill, if you want, jot it down. Uh, the first one that I felt like was important to reference was the prayer of salvation. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to use Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, verse 13. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, the prayer of salvation has to be mentioned because it is where the relationship begins, that moment where you become a believer by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and calling upon the Lord in his name to make that confession, right? That is a very important prayer. And, and a lot of times, uh, though it does mark the beginning, I think one of the mistakes that we can make as believers is that we, we limit it just to only needing to pray at once. Now, I'll be real careful in how I say this. I'm not saying you need to be saved over and over and over again, right? Like that, that decision, the washing of the blood, it's sufficient. It is good. It is secure. It is eternal. However, man, praying that should be something that we do on a regular occurrence. Like part of our prayer life should be able to come before the Lord and declare, Lord, I believe you were raised from the dead. You are the Lord of my life, and I confess that with my mouth. Right, like that's, that's a beautiful way to pray. And, and having that incorporated in certain types of prayers, not that you have to be saved over and over and over again, that's not how it works, but not confining it just to a one-time prayer, but recognizing how that is fundamental and foundational to our relationship with the Lord. So prayer of salvation, uh, confession and repentance has to be something we consistently and regularly practice in our prayer life. And consider its benefits, Psalm 32, one through six. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and you didn't cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. God, I love that. The psalmist says, we are blessed to know that our sins are forgiven. When we are silent, right? When we are silent, those things weigh heavy upon us, right? We become weary. We become, um, what was it? Kept silent. My bones are wasted away through my groaning all day long. My energy is sapped from me just like in the days of summer. When we fail to confess and repent, it weighs heavy upon us. But when we acknowledge our sin before the Lord and we see his grace and his mercy at work, we find the beauty of such forgiveness. And so the psalmist urges us, call upon him while he may be found. So maybe ask yourself, what's in your life that you need to confess and repent of? What is it that's possibly weighing you down? Recognize the importance of praying that type of prayer. Prayer of faith. Uh, this is often uh, referred to for the section of scripture that we find in James chapter 5. Verses 13 uh, through 16, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. 
The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Part of what we see in scripture is that you can pray for healing. Right, like again, a lot of times we're hesitant because we're like, well, what if he doesn't heal? Then does that mean my prayers weren't effective? I wasn't righteous enough? I wasn't good enough? No, it just means God has a different plan. But he absolutely can and does heal. And so if we're gonna live courageously, we should pray courageously. We should pray with that sort of faith and believe it because the same spirit of God that is evident in those prayers is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We pray with power, we pray with faith. Pray for healing, pray for forgiveness. Trust that God will respond. Another one, prayer of agreement or corporate prayer. You can draw this from Acts uh, chapter two when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and to prayer. You can see throughout church history, the saints gathered together and they would pray together corporately. There's something powerful about praying in agreement with brothers and sisters. Last week we were able to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And there's just something uh, meaningful to hear brothers and sisters lift up their voice in unison and pray scripture together, right? And to pray in agreement, to pray with that sense together. Uh, the one that we think of the most uh, is, is the one that you find in Philippians chapter four, verse six, which would be prayers of request. Right? Most people think that, that praying is going to God and asking him to do a bunch of things, and that is very much true. Uh, that needs to be a type of prayer that you consider. Philippians chapter four says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, hopefully you'll see through the course of this conversation, it's not just that. Prayer is so much more than that, but it absolutely is that. And so ask, come before the Lord and ask, present your request to him. You do not have because you do not ask. Set aside your anxiety and come before the Lord and present these requests through prayer and through petition. What are the things you need to ask the Lord today? What are the things that you need to request? What do you wanna bring before him? These, these are things that make prayer so powerful. There's nothing that you can, you can need to hide or try to keep hidden, like he knows it anyway. So come before him and ask. Present your request to the Lord. Now the other thing that you see there in Philippians six leads us to the next type, which is Thanksgiving, right? You are to present those requests with Thanksgiving, which tells us another type of prayer is to just pray with gratitude. Prayers of Thanksgiving, Psalm 95, two and three says, let us come with Thanksgiving and extol, extol him with music and song. Uh, you could go through so many different Psalms that capture the spirit of gratitude and Thanksgiving. I think that's a really important one because being uh, in a posture of gratitude and Thanksgiving is gonna lead us to contentment. Uh, if you find yourself wrestling with being content, right, always wishing for something that, that isn't, always thinking the grass is greener on the other side, whatever that other side may be, part of that is rooted in a, a wrestling with gratitude <laughs> and, and to take the time to say, okay, I'm grateful for all these things that are here, that are in my midst. I am thankful for Jesus. And so if we wanna have a grateful life, we need to have gratitude in our prayer life as well. Right, so prayers of gratitude. Gotta be something that's fostered. Couple more. Uh, prayers of worship and adoration or honor. You think about, again, the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. Uh, you could go through so many psalms and find prayers of just adoration for who God is and his character. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
right? The psalmist declares the goodness of God, the character of God over and over and over again. How often in your prayer life do you focus on just the adoration and the worship and the honoring of who God is and his character? Uh, the next one, prayers of consecration and dedication, that there are specific things, specific moments, situations that we dedicate and consecrate as holy before the Lord. First Samuel uh, 1, 27 and 28 takes the story of Hannah who prays for a child. The Lord gives her a child. She names him Samuel and she dedicates him to the Lord. Right? She, she consecrates him. And, and so you think about how we do this practically in special occasions like a baby dedication, a deacon ordination, all these other specific moments where we set aside and say, make this holy, this specific instance. I dedicate it to you. I consecrate it to you. Prayers of dedication. Two more. Uh, prayers of lament. Probably the most neglected. Right? Because a lot of times we think that if I'm going to come before the Lord, I got to have my act together. <clears throat> I got to be good. I got to be presentable. I got to be you know, I gotta have every, every, every smile ready and just, everything's good, Lord. But we see this over and over again, Psalm 130, out of the depths, I cry to you. The depths in that Psalm refer to pain, despair. Out of my despair, out of my pain, out of my anguish, I cry to you. Lamenting is an incredibly powerful form of worship and it's essential to our prayer life. Maybe there's something you need to lament today and just cry out of your despair, cry out of your anguish before the Lord and watch the incredible way that he meets us there. Last one, prayers of intercession. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Uh, praying for others. We, we talk about this all the time in terms of how this is a key conviction for us as a church that we wanna be a church that prays with each other and for each other. It's why we have deacons that come here at the altar at the end of every service so that you have a chance to be prayed over, that somebody can intercede on your behalf. Even the prayer of UBC that we've talked about, right? It, it is capturing this idea of intercession that yes, we want the power of God to be unleashed in our lives, but also in our church and our community and our world. We are interceding for all these different things, standing in the gap and advocating for others. And that requires the opportunity to share with one another. This is what the Lord is taking me through. This is what I'm facing. What are you facing? And to lift each other up in prayer. It's part of why D groups, UBC Enriched, all these different places that we can commune with one another, create the space for us to intercede on one another's behalf. So listen, so many different ways that we can pray. So many different postures that we can assume. So, so start thinking about it in anticipation of next week. How does this shape your life? How do you find this healthy rhythm that maybe I, I start my day with confession, I intercede in the afternoon, and I end my day with adoration and thanksgiving. And through that, I'm going to assume different postures, different moments to fully engage so that those moments are meaningful and intentional. How do you take these different types Infuse them with different practices, different postures, so that we have healthy habits. That's going to be what we talk about more next week. The last uh, two things that we find from verse 18 that now are just applicable to any prayer, right, regardless of the types, would be uh, the first one, to be alert, right, which that word means to have uh, a wakeful concern. I love the way that that's defined. 
What I love about this is that when you see Paul follow this up to say, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people, he, he describes what your prayer life should look like. It should be alert, right? And so this is the antithesis to complacency, apathy, lethargy, right? Like this is the opposite of that, right? This is a wakeful concern. You, you should always be anticipating, oh, there's a sinful impulse I need to confess. Oh, there's a need that I see that somebody's encountering. Oh, there's, there's something that I can give praise to God for. Like we should have this wakeful concern in our prayer life. And so ask yourself this morning, how would you describe your prayer life? Is it alert or is it complacent? Like, is it awake or is it in slumber? Like, like Paul encourages us, you need to be alert when you pray and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Right? The, the reference to all the Lord's people, again, carries that connotation of intercession, which we've already covered. But what I wanna highlight is that phrase, keep on praying. The word keep there means persistence and endurance. Right? It pairs well with this idea of being alert. You, you don't stop. Right? You don't grow weary, you don't grow faint with it. There is a, a persistence in our prayer life. Jesus teaches on that all the time, that the persistent widow that keeps coming back and back and back and back again. Like, like we should always be persistent in our prayers. And so you think about just this overarching view of all that is referenced just there in verse 18. We get a sense of all the different things that we should include in our prayer life. Praying in the Spirit, praying on all occasions, all these different types of, of requests and, and postures that we can infuse, and then being alert and always being uh, persistent in those prayers. You, you get a clearer picture of all the different ways that you can pray. And so I hope that that encourages you. I hope that gives you something to think about. But here's, here's how I'll close this, okay? Um, what I wanna close this with is, is with all that in mind, notice how Paul pivots to a personal prayer request. And in this personal prayer request, I think he gives us insight to what the fruit of our prayer life should be, right? So Paul, Paul gives this instruction and he says, but pray for me as well so that I could what? So that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray that I would declare it fearlessly as I should. That word means courage. The fruit of a vibrant prayer life is courage. It's fearlessness. But notice specifically how Paul has such an awareness of God's call, of his will, and his purpose for his life. Consider what Paul is facing. He is in prison. He is preparing to go meet the imperial authorities. And what does he ask for? Does he say, hey, pray that I would be kept safe? Pray that I would be released. Pray that I wouldn't be so sad. No, he understands that all of those things are in alignment with God's will because in Acts chapter nine, Ananias is told by the Lord, Paul is my chosen instrument to take this gospel to the Gentiles and to their kings. Paul is living out his calling and what he wants is to be faithful to it. He's not looking for freedom. He's not looking for comfort, for ease. He's looking for his circumstances to result in a fearlessness to to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that's how we should pray as well. You are not in your job just to earn a paycheck. You're not in your school just so you can get good grades. You're not in your neighborhood just so you can have the certain house, certain square footage and land. 
You're not in your family just so you can raise children and have things to do at Christmas and holidays. God has placed you in those places, in those moments, so that you could fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And that's what we should be praying for. And I assure you, church, it'll make us courageous. And so with that in mind, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are and all that you do for us. We are so grateful that you meet us in prayer. God, we're so grateful that you give us all the different ways that we can come to you and talk to you, to present requests to you, to confess all the different things we've discussed today, how, how remarkable that really is. And so, God, I pray sincerely for all of us that are gathered here today that you would ignite vibrant prayer life for us individually and for us as a church, that it would be an ember that catches flame and just sets our hearts and our souls on fire. God, that we would truly understand what it means to pray in the spirit, that we would pray on all occasions, that we would be alert and persistent in the way in which we pray. God, that we would know that the reason we can do all these different things is not by our own strength or the eloquence of our own words or, or the perfect nature of our lives, God, but it's actually in our weakness and it's in our dependency, it's in our trust in you that we can call upon the name of Jesus. And so that's what we do this morning. And we give you praise. We give you thanks that you meet us in these prayers. Now, God, wherever we are, whatever we face, help us to leave here today emboldened by your spirit and through these prayers to go and fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen.